0: Hi, today's December 26, 2022, this is Mobile <laughs> Podcast 437, the Winter Storm Elliot Unofficial Edition, mm-hmm. and I'm Tadagasso and my good friend, the good Dr. John Westfall is back from his super-secret mission, yes. which is cut short.
1: Yeah, slightly cut short, due to that uh, winter storm that we just mentioned, yeah. but uh, we ended up not traveling, which meant that I have time for podcasting, but I have... <laughs> I have plenty of stories from the the parts of the super secret mission that I was able to get on.
0: I'm looking forward to that. And I also also want to thank, before we get started, I want to thank um, my old friend Ryan Ozawa for pitching in on, uh, let's see, Christmas Eve Eve, (laughs) Mm (laughs) the 23rd, to to podcast with me for Hawaii Techies Edition number 5. And once again, poor Ryan, once again had problems. And this time, I was the cause of it because I decided in my more adventurous uh, retirement mode to try <laughs> to record a podcast using a MacBook Air upgraded to Mac OS 13.1. I'm still running 12.x on my MacBook Pro that we're using right now, which meant I had to up because uh, uh, Audio Hijack was upgraded uh, to f- support 13x. And I also, let's see, what else did I do? Oh, also, because I know Ryan can't use Teams or whatever and doesn't like Skype, I use Zoom. Um, I've never originated a Zoom call before. I've only been an end user. So that was, it was just a series of adventures. And it didn't help that it turns out the uh, Amiga, Rogue, Rogue Amoeba's uh, workflow for Zoom uh, in Audio Hijack Pro is just totally rubbish. And I had to debug it on the fly until we, we got to a point where, A, we could hear each other, and, B, I didn't have an echo. So, Rogue Amoeba, um, and I, I tweeted it to them. They didn't even respond. But, Rogue Amoeba, your product is wonderful, but it's become over complex in the last dozen years or so. And uh, your workflow for Zoom is rubbish. So, <laughs> thank you, well, but not. Tell
1: us, you, <laughs> tell us how you really feel about it. You know, everything oh. that you're doing is horrible. Stop yeah.
0: doing it. Also, Zoom Zoom is uh, has a 40-minute limit for a free account because I don't want to pay 150 bucks a year for something I rarely use, and um, so we, I think we had to do it in two parts, <laughs> which meant extra editing on my side. Oh, oh, also, <laughs> I have the new version of Audacity on my MacBook Air and the old version on my MacBook Pro because MacBook Pro has a really nice um, time time shifter. You know when I when I shift segments together or i put in the intro music and you can kind of do it in a new version of audacity but it's not as intuitive <laughs> in fact it's counterintuitive but uh, any rate so there are just a whole host of problems anyway thank you to my friend ryan ozawa for putting up with all that nonsense is uh it was a lot of fun okay so john the parts of your winter mission that went successfully what well, happened <laughs>
1: Uh, so one of the, the big things that we did uh, that I mentioned uh, or I teased a little bit on the podcast is that we made a trip to Walt Disney World for the yep. first time since uh, the pandemic and since uh, we had been there in, I believe it was May of 2019. So I wow. actually talked about it uh, in Global Views 293, if you want to oh. go into our back catalog. Uh, and in 293 uh, I said a lot of things about Disney tech and, and those sorts of things and all those still apply. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting with the pandemic uh, happening in the interim is that there were a number of things that were both positives and negatives so to the point that I can't tell you that Disney is any better now than it was and it's also not any worse. there are certain things that are, uh, more useful and I think make more sense and then there are other things that are logical uh, evolutions of what we saw when we were there uh, three years ago uh, so nothing that I can say wow they, they nailed that one finally uh, but also nothing that I can say was uh, you know completely worse than the previous well, that's and that's good. A, That's kind of a, a big deal because there had been a lot of haters online. There are also a lot of just Disney haters in general, but there are a lot of haters talking about well, you know, it's not the same. Things aren't as good. You don't have as many benefits. All these other things. And uh, what has actually happened that was pretty clear to me was that Disney has sort of shifted away from the customers that don't make them a lot of money more toward the customers that make them money. That was sort of Bob JPEG's mindset and so annual pass holders people that really knew the disney ins and outs of how to get the the absolute most bang for their buck they were pretty unhappy because oh. the system has pivoted toward you know groups that might come once every few years and mm-hmm. especially if those groups are willing to pay for different perks um, mm-hmm. you know their genie plus service and things like that so that was sort of my my take on it, is that if you're a family that doesn't go very often, you're probably getting a slightly better experience. But if you were an annual pass holder that's there three or four times a year, you're probably annoyed because you knew all the ins and outs of the old system, and now a lot of those don't work anymore.
0: Boy, that's kind of the opposite of what you would hope for. Maybe not expect, but hope for.
1: Yeah, you know? uh, it definitely was a shift in, I think, how Disney... Did things, but then at the same time, the interactions I had, and this is going to sound very strange. Whenever I was buying something, and there was an annual pass holder nearby, a right. you knew they were an annual pass holder because they had, you know, they were trying to get all their discounts. And they were trying, you know, they it was very clear, and they were getting exclusive stuff that was pass holder stuff. But those people. I don't know. I am a psychologist, so I think about, uh, if I have, you know, bias in terms of the data I'm getting, but they just seemed like the angriest, most annoyed people the entire time. And the conversations they were having were always comparison conversations of, well, we can't do this. And that's not as good as it was. And this is that. So I don't know if, uh, if there's a group of people that I think are hard to please these days, I think it's Disney world annual pass holders because uh, they didn't seem to be happy at all, which made me wonder why they were there at all in the first place. Right. They are right. not enjoying themselves. Well, but,
0: that, that is an interesting observation, you know, it's, um, yeah. I, I mean, I wonder, I wonder, for example, what the, compa- the nearest thing I can think of, and it's really not a good comparison is in Vegas, you know, the concept of the whales, the high rollers. Yeah. But the high rollers also tend to be frequent rollers, I think. You know, the people yeah. who come several times a year and all of that sort of thing. And I, they treat, they get treated pretty well, from what I understand. Well, so, because uh, they're generally
1: losing more money. Yeah, than they're I guess they are. Yeah, they're the high you know, value the, either way. Yeah. 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 And that was sort of, I think, the shift that we saw with uh, the last number of years at Disney is that these were groups that were used to being treated as high rollers, right. but they weren't you know rolling financially high, high <laughs> yeah they you know they knew how to for example the fast pass system that disney had uh before they started making you pay for genie plus which now allows right. you into what they call lightning lanes which are basically you know right. shorter lines uh that was a free system that you had these different tiers and if you knew how to do it i remember watching a video that said you know you could get in eight or nine rides a day you know very long usually long wait lines but the average family didn't know how to do any of that stuff and they would you know maybe get in two or three rides so now with this oh, wow. system you know if i'm the average family and i know i don't know this system but i'm willing to pay 14 dollars a person per day which is kind yeah. of the average cost for uh for genie plus now i have a halfway decent shot of getting a really packed day in in fact genie plus was included in our tickets because we bought them early enough before they started going to a day-by-day basis with it and it was way better than fast pass in terms of what i could snag and how we could you know kind of pop in and out of lines real easy of course in general yeah. the whole week we were there had pretty low wait times for being two weeks before christmas which
0: yeah was i was going to ask you if it's uh if it's a you know a um high attendance period given the time of the year and kids getting out of school and you know, that sort of thing. It
1: is. Uh, and that's why I think we were very shocked that it didn't seem to take,
0: um, uh, you
1: know, but there were a few things in our favor. So for example, um, they are doing the Christmas parties right now at night. And on those nights, magic kingdom closes early. It closes at 6 PM, which is very, very early. Oh, wow. That is early. Um, and so a lot of people don't want to go on party days because they know they're not going to get the full right. day of Disney. But that means that the lines on those days are very short. So we ended up doing one of the parties. We did the uh, Christmas party on Tuesday night because we kind of wanted to see what it, you know, how it was and if it was, you know, everything it was cracked up to be. And it wasn't too bad. We enjoyed ourselves. So we went there on Tuesday, we got in at four o'clock, because if you're at the party, you can get in at four and the party actually starts at seven. The lines during the party were super short. And then we went back on Friday, which was another party night, and all the lines were super short then. Hmm. So we got a full day in, but it was, you know... Two days that not many people wanted to be there because right. there was the party at night. Interesting. So if you knew, if you thought about things from that perspective of what day would I want to go if I wasn't going to the party, you got like you know a little bit easier of a time. So um, yeah, my my general thoughts on Disney after pandemic is pluses and minuses on the whole. Nothing way better. Nothing way worse.
0: All right. I I just wanted to mention, it's been many, many years since I've been to any Disney property, but I remember when we took our daughter to uh, Disneyland the very first time, I think she was four, maybe three, somewhere around there. And um, Well, first of all, we we went off-season. We went like late January. We pulled her out of preschool, and I kind of got scolded for that. But (laughs) I didn't think it would affect her education all that much, personally. Knowing
1: how she turned out, I'm I'm really not thinking it did, but I think I can vindicate you, you know, many years later now that you made a, a sane call as a parent. (laughs) <laughs>
0: but but at any rate, uh, we it was truly off-season. And um, I, I, I know you're a Disney World fan. I don't know if you've been to the original Disneyland in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. But the the Peter Pan ride, which is not spectacular. It, I, I should say I enjoy it a lot. I have enjoyed it when I was a kid. I enjoyed it as an adult. Um, it, it is not like a thrill ride. It's more like a, just a fun ride. It's called a dark I think it's in the category of dark rides, uh, mild dark yep. rides. And um, uh, we... My daughter really fell in love with that ride. but And because it was off-season, we went on it five times in a row. We didn't even get <laughs> off. <laughs> the guy looked at us and said, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs>
1: you know? Well, you know, the funny thing about that ride is that at both Disneyland and Disney World, especially at Disney World, it will get insane wait times. Because it does have such a following, and it has yeah. a very small uh, rider throughput. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we definitely rode it when we were there because it was a walk-on during the Christmas party because uh, of low, low attendance in the park. But yeah, that, that is a great ride just for the tech of uh, suspended over the scene yes. and also the detail and all yeah. of
0: that. It's fun. I mean, even even though it's... I, I don't know what the Disney World... I, I don't think I went to a Disney World version, but even the low-tech Disneyland version. I should note I first went on Peter Pan ride in... When did Disneyland open? 1955. I went on the Peter Pan ride when I was only seven years old. The <laughs> ride. <laughs> In fact, I was seven also. <laughs> but, yep. but uh, and I enjoyed it then, and I enjoyed it now, and I don't think the technology has changed at all. I think you it's the exact I'm- same ride. <laughs>
1: I was just reading a book that had an, some information about that ride, and they basically said that they haven't changed the track at all. So the length yeah. of the ride is exactly the same in Disneyland as it was yeah. when it opened. They've done uh, scene changes, and they've you know, spruced things up and things yeah. like that, but the actual mechanics and all of that are pretty much exactly the same as when you rode it uh, every yeah. time you've ridden it. So.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's fun. Like I said, it's not a, for those who have never been on it, first you should. And second, it's not a thrill lot ride, so don't get, you know, don't get disappointed if it's not, um, I don't know, any of the other kind of th- truly thrilling rides that are available in Disney. Like the Indiana yeah. Jones ride, that's pretty thrilling. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know if it's still there, but back in the day. Um,
1: so, uh, you, do you want to talk ride tech? Yes, please. Tech? Yes. Okay, so... Uh, First of all, I mentioned Magic Bands the last time we went. Yes. When you see how extensively Disney uses Magic Bands and sort of it's the same uh, idea that Apple keeps pushing with Apple Watches and Apple Pay, uh, you really want it to be in every part of your life. Uh, The idea that all you really need to open any door that you need to get into and as your park ticket and your payment device and... Uh, even down to when you ride a roller coaster that takes your picture, it snaps your Magic Band's information and adds it directly to your account. So as soon as you get off that roller coaster, you've got the picture in your app and you can share it out and do whatever you want with it. You really want that tech everywhere. And it started to get close with Apple Watches and, and Apple Pay, and now... Disney has fully rolled, rolled out contactless payment everywhere. So, if you don't want to use the Magic Band, you can use Apple Pay, Samsung mm-hmm. Pay, all the big names at pretty much every point of sale in the parks. So, that was very nice. Uh, but um, the new Magic Bands, Magic Band Plus, which was released in uh, summer, early fall of this year, they have taken that to an interesting level. So, now the. Um, It uses more power, so the downside is they recommend you charge it every night. The old Magic Bands were a battery that, because it was NFC contact, it would last, you know, years and then eventually die. But the new Magic Bands, they ship with a USB cable. You're supposed to charge them regularly. Uh, And a couple of cool things they do. So they can interact with elements around the park. Mm-hmm. so they have right now these 50th anniversary statues up that as you pass by if you have a magic band plus your wrist vibrates and if you wave at the statue it will talk to you or it will you know say no, a that number is of neat. different greetings uh and you can collect them in the play disney parks app so you can if you want to correct virtual badges you can and collect all these different elements and during a lot of the shows now, because the new Magic Band pluses have long-range antennas in them that they can pick up uh, these sorts of things, they will actually synchronize to some of the action. So you'll see a sea of, you know, people's wrists lighting up with different colors for different oh, really? fireworks shows or different, you know, musical beats, and it, it's kind of an interesting, a little distracting at times, especially if you're not expecting it.
0: Yeah, uh, but it definitely so, is an interesting idea. So is the whole band a light, or is it just a
1: particular part of the band a light source? Just the top part of the band, the little, um, what looks like an emblem, and, you huh. know, different on each one. Uh, but around those, and there are different color schemes you can customize in the app if you want blues or reds or greens right. or whatever you want your band to show. Uh, so, yeah, that the Magic Band... Really is what I would love to see Apple Watches or, you know, Google Pixel Watches or smartwatches be in the next 10 years where it just does everything. Because once you have that, you're like, I wish every door I went up to, I could just tap and it would open (laughs) up. Or every place I shopped, I could just tap. And a lot of places you can now, but if you live somewhere like I do where contactless payment is still a crazy idea for many people,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> you're, you're still kind of pushing the idea of, Hey, can I, can I use Apple pay here? Oh, you want to use that? We've never had anyone use that here. Um, <laughs> we don't know if we take it or not. You know,
0: It's funny because the credit card I mostly use is just RFID. I mean, sorry. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a RFID, but it's, so it's contacted. It's not contactless. And so, um, you know, people say, well, just, you know, just, just just tap here. It's, oh no, it's not that kind of card. And you kind of look at me like, wow, what uh, <laughs> did you come from? <laughs> yeah, what rock are you from under? You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, so uh, talk a little bit about some of the tech. Other than that, so the new rides that were there now that we didn't get to ride before, and I wrote all of these. Um, the two rides in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So Smuggler's Run, which is basically you're piloting the Millennium Falcon. And, uh, it's a giant video game in essence, oh, neat. uh, but it's, it's cool. Cause you're in the cockpit and you've got controls that light up and you've got to hit controls at certain angles and, you know, these sorts of things, uh, rise of the resistance, which is the e-ticket attraction in galaxy's edge. So multiple ride systems, uh, combined into one, the whole premise there is that you're joining the resistance and the first order intercepts your transport and kidnaps you. Uh, Cosmic Rewind or Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is the new coaster at Epcot that uh, the twist there is that the actual coaster cars can pivot 360 degrees. Oh, wow. So what you don't realize is that it actually enables a lot more storytelling because the tech can point you directly where it wants you to look. Right, right. So a screen that normally on a roller coaster you would see for five seconds as you go flying past it, you can now look at it for 10 or 15 because the seat can just keep pivoting toward it as you're going past. Interesting. uh, The different show scenes and the different soundtracks and all that really work nicely for that. And then two of their trackless rides, uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, they are using the same system that one of uh, the parts of Rise of the Resistance uses, where you've got RFID pucks embedded in the floor. And through Wi-Fi, the cars can actually pick up, they actually get a path downloaded from the computer. They execute that path, and they know where they are in the room based on these pucks that are embedded in the floor. So, so is,
0: is it all magnetic, or is it are you uh, motorized wheels, but that's guided by these pucks?
1: You're on motorized wheels that are guided by the pucks. Wow, that's a which,
0: lot of... I was just going to say, yeah, the safety the, the safety programming must be crazy.
1: The safety programming must be crazy, and also, if you think about what you can do when you can download a new ride path, it means that, for example, in Runaway Railway, yeah. you get on what looks like a train. It's got four cars that are riding together, but they're right. separate vehicles, and they all break off and go different directions. So you might get on the first of four cars, and then when you get off, it's now the fourth car, or it's now the third car. You know, it came back in a different order than it went out. So it's a much more variable system in re rideability because all of a sudden you might get a different program the next time. Um, That, as a geek, is really interesting to think about. It's sort of like when they changed Tower of Terror a number of years ago from one of several drop profiles to a randomly generated drop profile. Oh, wow. I didn't realize uh, that. Where you, Yeah. Um, so you don't know how many times you're going to go up and how many times you're going to come down and how many full drops and how many little bunny hop drops and, and things like that. Um, but I don't want to give any spoilers away for these rides other than to say if you are a geek and you're interested in how, uh, you know, to really immerse someone in a storyline... You definitely want to check out a lot of the deep dives on how those rides are done just from the perspective of uh, storytelling with technology. And if you're one of the people, one of our friends that went with us, uh, her mother is not a very uh, deep lover of uh, a storyline around a ride. She would right. have hated it because it was more oh. sort of like, you know, I just want a roller coaster. I don't right, want right, to know, right. you know. I don't want to know that I'm saving the galaxy by doing this or, you know, I don't need all these pre-shows and, and all these other things. Uh, but if you're the kind of person that likes that stuff, you'll really like some of the storytelling involved yeah. in those rides.
0: You know, it's some of the stuff you, you explain uh, described reminds me sort of of the old Star Trek experience in Vegas. Did you ever go on that ride?
1: Mm-hmm. I never got to, but I, I heard great things about
0: it. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. And you end up in Quark's mm-hmm. Bar. <laughs> um, with, and there's also in, while you're in line, there are Ferengis and I think some Klingons, uh, kind of entertaining you. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, the makeup was fantastic, and the, the bad banter was just a lot of fun. As some you know, as you're just waiting in line, just sort of, you know, uh, when are we going to get there? You, you know, these characters come up and they're kind of bantering, and it's just really
1: a lot of fun. But anyway, mm-hmm.
0: no longer there. So, yep.
1: Um, so, a couple other tech notes. Um, We got to do some things that we don't normally get to do because we had such low wait times. So one of them is something that Disney calls the Pirate's Adventure, uh, or a Pirate's Adventure. What's the official full name? Uh, I'm bringing up the screen now. A Pirate's Adventure, Treasures of the Seven Seas. This is a free uh, scavenger hunt that you can do in Adventureland in Magic Kingdom. And you basically go to a little little building they have. You pick up a map. Uh but when you're there, you tap your magic band to enroll in that map, in a sense. And then you walk around and all of these pieces that look like they're just, you know, set pieces or, you know, a pirate chest or something like that that you would expect to just see kind of by a right. bench or whatever in Adventureland. Right if you find the right spot to put your magic band, crazy things start to happen. Like at one point, a uh, pirate comes out of the water in front of you and delivers a message and then lowers back down into the water. Or in another case, a cannon shoots that's next to you and you hear it hit the bell across the way and (laughs) you look and the bell's swinging back and forth, you know, and it's, A very elaborate scavenger hunt uh, that really shocks people around you, because it looks like you just wandered up with this map and hit something that they didn't see, and all of a sudden your magic band can trigger it, and theirs can't. If they go up to it and hit it, nothing will happen, because they're not enrolled in that map at that time. Uh, But that's cool stuff like that, that you don't think about too much from Disney, that is definitely a fun, you know, hour if you if you don't want to wait in line. You, there's no line for this. You're just wandering around. And there's right, five right. different missions that you can do, and you get a little card when you complete them. And uh, it was just kind of a fun experience. Sure, sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other things that I'll mention. Uh, so Disney has a service that's Photo Pass. Uh, Photo Pass is basically the park photographers that are all over the place. <laughs> Uh, now, these photographers will take your picture with your camera for free, so you don't need to pay them if you just want uh, get them to use your iPhone or these or that. And they take pretty right. good photos with them. They don't uh, skimp out. They'll, they'll figure out how to use it. I'm sure they know how to use every smartphone camera known to man. <laughs> but if you pay for the PhotoPass uh, subscription or, you know, addition to your trip, Not only do you get all of the shots they take with their cameras, which are downloaded usually within two or three minutes to Mm -hmm. your app, so as soon as you take them, you can share them out. Uh, You also get all the on-ride photos, you get the on-ride videos, you get a lot of uh, different things. And for our group, where it was four of us and we wanted to get photos in front of all the major things in the parks, it was just easier than finding, you know, trying to do selfies or things like that, so. And plus you get these magic shots, which, you know, at one point they'll tell you, okay, for this last shot, everyone look at so-and-so's hand. So-and-so put your hand out and then everyone look at it. And then, you know, five minutes later you look and now in your hand is, you know, a chipmunk or something like that that everyone in your group looks surprised (laughs) at because they're, you know, they're shocked. Or everyone blow into the hand and you're blowing snowflakes or whatever it might be from the photo pass effect. So that, it's kind of a nice add-on. That especially is Especially cool. if you're going with a family and you don't want to worry about everyone getting in the shot. And right. You just line up, wait, they tap your magic band, they take your picture, they take four or five shots, and uh, you can share them out two seconds later.
0: Now, just to, just to go back on the magic band, so in order to get that, do you, have, you said you ordered it, I guess, before you go, and so it's, it's sort of with you when you get there? Yeah, you can, you? you can do that.
1: You can... Order Magic Bands and order Photo pass and all that when you book your trip. You can also opt not to, and you can just pick up a RFID-embedded card that you can use for these things as well. That's still your your free option if you don't want to pay for a Magic Band. Um, and Magic Bands are reusable, so the ones that we bought uh, now we can use on future trips, you know, until they have a new upgrade that I want to play with, you know, or, or something like that, so...
0: I really like the, fo- the new photo options, you're, or not new, but the photo options you're des- you're describing that are, you know, current. Last time I went, um, the, the ride photos, like, you know, you're screaming on a roller coaster or something, you stop off at the end of the ride, and they have all the photos that you can review, and if you want to buy any, they'll sort of print it out and send it to your room or have it ready for pickup. As- there was no app. In fact, when I yeah. went, there was no iPhone. <laughs> I <think.
1: laughs> Well, yes, that would make it very difficult, uh, you know, to to have these things uh, on your smartphone when there are no smartphones. Um, but uh, I'll actually share out with you the the whole all the ones sure. that we download. You can take a look at them. But uh, it's it's very interesting. You know, with Disney, if you're willing to pay the price, you can get whatever you want. Uh, and I think some of their things are definitely overpriced, but some are, are good value adds in my experience. And well, um, PhotoPass was definitely a good value add for us.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the, the Steve Jobs estate, I think, is the largest minority sh- or largest shareholder, single shareholder holder of Disney. So uh, it is not surprising that things are overpriced, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is true. Uh, So the other thing, you know, with just the last piece I'll say about Disney, uh, if you've never been there, you definitely want to have some pre-planning and also flexibility. Uh, So the group that we went with, uh, we had had two big planning meetings in the year, you know, heading up to going to Disney. And uh, we also decided, you know, we might book one dinner or lunch reservation a day uh, and make it for that. Or we might plan one activity per day, but we're not going to try to do four or five, six, seven things, you know, hour after hour. Because you're just going to get tired and get oh, annoyed. Yeah. yeah. So that was our, our plan was to just uh, go and enjoy. And then we did that. And I think you uh, we were quite happy with it.
0: That's great. Uh,
1: but... That was uh, I'm happy if anyone in our fives of listeners has specific <laughs> questions they want answered, they can feel free to reach out uh, to us and I'll, I'll be happy to talk about those in future tra- or future podcasts uh, because the tech, the tech is cool. She sure sounds like it. So Alrighty. I will also mention one of the things that I took with me uh, was a tech purchase that I think I mentioned on the podcast, uh, nomadic, the luggage company, Uh, released a collection of collapsible bags back uh, about two, three months ago now. I have backed it on Kickstarter over the summer, so I got four out of the five that they had. The only one that wasn't in the Kickstarter was the uh, collapsible backpack. Uh, But they've actually had a collapsible backpack for a year or so now that they just kind of refreshed for this collection. My use case for them was unique and I think worked out very well. So I pack a bag before a trip, like most people. And then uh, my wife brings along these laundry bags that she made years ago from old Mm -hmm. pillowcases. So they're basically, you know, we can come home and just throw everything in the laundry, which means that I pack a giant bag. And then by the end of the trip, it's empty almost because all my clothes are in the laundry bag. Right, right. You know, what's the point? So I thought, well, these collapsible bags are going to be very useful to me because I can pack all my clothes in them, get to the hotel room, unpack, you know, put them in the drawer in the hotel room and then just collapse the bag and throw that back in my backpack or whatever. And that actually worked very well. So if you've never thought about, you know, if you've got that same weird scenario where I take this giant bag and by the end of it, it's half empty because I don't uh, I don't put my laundry back in it. I put it in. Now, if you're traveling by plane, you might have to do that. Uh, Right. But I I recommend the nomadic ones. Uh, I used the one as my park bag, the six liter sling, Uh, well constructed for a packable bag, Uh, nice little amenities in it, little pockets and things like that that you don't normally get on a packable bag and sturdy that was really the big thing it was with packable bags you worry about the material being too thin and it easy to rip or easy to to get dirty and no nah, no problems with that so i recommend those for people who do travel uh i realize you are not of the traveling uh, mm-hmm. persuasion much anymore mm-hmm. but i think at least one of our fives of listeners might be so
0: oh yeah oh yeah um and back when i was a uh, wheels up every month which is why i don't travel anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was Wheels Up every month, boy, this was the kind of thing that I would be, you know, poring over every month before my next trip. It's like, ah, oh, I need something uh-huh. like this for my next trip because this didn't work or you know whatever. I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. They, this looks fun. So this is N O M A T I C, and this will be in our show notes for sure. Um, yep. Oh, they look lightweight, which is nice.
1: They are, and uh, the material is just heavy enough to be sturdy, but not so heavy that it weighs you down. And I did mention in the show notes that I got my, you know, I've mentioned the Linus Tech Tips backpack that I've been using as my daily driver. I took that with me as well, because the middle section of it is a giant cave of stuff that you can just throw in there, including packable bags. And it worked out very well. But it was a weird thing for my very first ever going from the bag that I use as my daily driver to my actual trip bag. Uh, I'm not used to that. I'm used to having a separate bag, so it's kind of nice to not have to unpack one just to repack another and then swap it around a week later to go back. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of the things I am glad I no longer have to deal with. But uh, but at any rate, okay. Well, that sounds like fun. And aside from that, um, how's the winter affecting you over where you are? <laughs> not too badly, I assume. Well, you couldn't not travel, really- so that's not good, but...
1: Yeah, I mean Mississippi is is just cold, um, colder than we're used to getting. Uh, but we will be popping back up into our normal temperatures by the end of the week. So it is crazy how it is. Now you had brought up, and uh, I know you've played around with it a little bit Apple Freeform. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about what the actual use scenarios are for Freeform. What what yeah. have been your thoughts? Playing around with it so far.
0: Well, you know, it's uh, the the first comparison was well. First of all, I wasn't really sure what it was, even after reading about it before using it. But what it is, it's it's sort of like Microsoft Whiteboard, if uh, folks are familiar mm-hmm. with that. It's not so much a note taking app in the in the category of say Evernote or Google Keep or OneNote um, or even Apple Notes. Um, mm-hmm. It is really like having a giant whiteboard I mean a truly giant whiteboard and the way I, I think about it is in my daughter's my daughter went to university in Oregon that had uh, that had a I think it was a two-story building um, and outside of the building um, was a two-story whiteboard with a ladder <laughs> and I was told by during when the parents got a little tour before school started that sometimes the uh, the teachers I think in the hard sciences and physics and so forth. On nice days, they would bring the class outside to this giant whiteboard ladder, and they would do all their markups there, you know, out there in the nice weather and sun. And, and uh, again, this is a two-story whiteboard, <laughs> if you can imagine that. so you, I, I don't know what kind of insurance the professors there have, but I, I, <laughs> I assume they know how to do this safely. And that's how I I thought about. It's like having a two-story whiteboard. In fact, one of the things that threw me for a loop was, so I did a few things, and I realized, oh, this is like a tiny little section in the middle of a giant whiteboard, which is not apparent when you're using it. It's only Mm -hmm. after you start putting stuff in that it's there. So the way I started thinking about it was, aside from the whiteboard metaphor or analogy, is that it reminds me of a two-dimensional Evernote. If you remember the Evernote, before Phil Iben re- and his team redesigned it to well, more or less what we know today, is that Evernote was a one-dimensional, infinite scroll of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but it only, you know, basically it had a fixed width, but it scrolled forever um, into the future, so to speak. Freeform is a two-dimensional, not quite infinite, but huge a surface in which to do stuff on and i'm not quite sure how i want to use it yet i thought i had some ideas but it hasn't really stuck with me yet maybe maybe because i maybe because i well i'm not really sure because why but it just hasn't really (laughs) grabbed me
1: yet i don't know have you tried it yet uh i did play around with it and so i like it it is definitely so microsoft whiteboard was always a little bit buggy for me in terms of Having like multiple accounts, and you know, it was de- it generally was for corporate tenants uh, on Office 365. If you were using a personal account, it might not work that well for you. It was slow. It didn't update properly. And what I want, and I did have this for a while with a piece of software called Explain Any, explain everything, was a whiteboard that I could project up on a white, you know projector screen, uh, you know, um, on computer, and then my students could see what I was scribbling on my Apple Pencil on my uh, device. So I thought, well, that might be what I could use this for. But the big deal breaker for me is there's no web view. (laughs) So if someone, you know, all of our computers at work are Windows PCs, so there's no way for me to open a web page and let them see what I'm scribbling in Apple Freeform right now because it's not an apple device it just seems like a really weird oversight that you can't get it through icloud.com you can't get it yeah. through a web interface at all you can't share out even a static view easily with it so i, I like free is it's nice that it's built in and baked in but not everyone in my world is going to have an apple device to view it
0: right Right. You really need to be Apple-centric for this one. Um, and the iCloud was... a iCloud.com um, failing was it was really a problem for me. Like you said, it would have been okay if I could just view it yeah. on iCloud.com, regardless of which platform I was in. So you have to be on a Mac, an iPhone, or an iPad to use this thing. And if, mm-hmm. if that is all you use, then you're in good shape. Oh, but, yeah. But uh, otherwise, it is somewhat limiting. Um, when I had it a day job...
1: <laughs> Okay. it struck me that they built out a lot of this as an extension of Notes, and it yeah. was almost like someone at Apple was like, "You know what? Make it its own app. It doesn't, <laughs> you know, it doesn't need to just be an extension of Notes because it pairs very well with Notes, and I could see people using it the same way as a shared iCloud note. But then why isn't it available other places?
0: Yeah, uh, which yeah. Is very you know, this, two two things came to mind. One was, you know, I, I retired on this past Thursday so back when I had a day job it would have been just a total deal killer because I couldn't well I could use it at work because I'm carrying my iPhone and my iPad with me but like you said I couldn't really share stuff with people easily it would just be a giant hassle to do that um, and and uh, but now that you know I don't have anybody that I need to collaborate with on a daily basis that's using only Windows or even a Chromebook It's not as important. So I'm still trying to figure out where where it fits into my world. The other thing that came to mind is what you were after you said what you just said is I I remember some of our discussions with the Microsoft people in the Windows CE days. And they were just so focused on their ecosystem and what they thought and how they thought the world worked, like not having a month view on the calendar, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which drove some of us nuts. and actually, one of their teams' calendars doesn't have a month view. By the way, it's only a two-week
1: view. But, <laughs> Gee, I wonder, wonder where they came up <laughs> with that idea.
0: But, but at any rate, you know, it's a very kind of um, a myopic view, and it is it is interesting that you know when companies develop products that are so tightly integrated into their just their all they care about is their ecosystem that it mm-hmm. really limits the full potential, but. I, I am still going to stop. I'm gonna I'm gonna play with it a bit more, and try to figure out where it fits in. I, I really, I really want to like it. I'm not sure why. I, I think part of it is because Microsoft Whiteboard was such a disappointment to me, um, mm-hmm. because of its sluggishness. Mostly, it's functionally it's okay, and I enjoyed, you know, being able to use it to share out. Like um, one of the things I did, for instance, what during talks or explaining things to people via Teams is. I would create a whiteboard, I would start sticking sticky notes, and then i draw lines between the sticky notes, like a flowchart, to, you know, explain my, literally, my line of thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. But at any rate, um, that is about it. It's good to have you. I'm sorry that you had, you were, I'm sorry that you are here, because you're
1: not where you really <laughs> wanted to be. <laughs> I'm not where I, I usually am this time of year, yeah. I'm yeah. not, uh, you know, usually I get to go home and, and see family and friends and all that so it is a little bit uh bittersweet but i also don't mind going back when the weather is better
0: yeah and there you go
1: weather will be better uh you know soon later this this you know this next year yeah in 2023 which <laughs> is not far away to me to yeah <laughs> it, it really is not far away
0: it is literally literally what is it less than a week away now so <laughs> you're almost there you're almost at your goal. I Alrighty. do have a, uh,
1: huh? a last little tech note for sure. anyone who's interested. So uh, one of the things that made tech news in my absence was the uh, breach of LastPass. Yes. I don't know if you have to talk too much about that. Uh, but if you, um, first of all, 1Password is what I've been on for a number of years now. They use a secret key that only is on your devices, so that should help them if they are Ever get breached like this in the future. But if you're a big fan of KeyPass, Keepass, K E E P A S S, which it's has been around source, for a right? very long time, it's yeah. open source. It's a very nice uh, uh, password manager that uh, has had a lot of uh, longevity. But if you are like me, you've always been annoyed that there is not a good Mac OS version of it. I have just found that there now is. Oh, so nice. Mac Pass, which I will uh, put a link in our show notes Okey at the dokey. bottom. Uh, works on a modern Mac operating system. You don't have to use the Mono framework, which has always been very annoying to try to get that up and running for KeePass uh, for Mac uh, in the past. Uh, so if you do want to use KeyPass, or you're thinking, I want to go back to just hosting my own password vault, I don't think I want to have it on any cloud storage, which is a perhaps very sane idea. Uh, KeyPass now has a Mac client that works fairly well I do not know if they have a good iOS that's probably my next one to look at to see how what the state of key and iOS is these days
0: you, you know I gotta say I have not enough trust is the right word but I never was comfortable with the idea of these encrypted cloud storage things I mean I do use some of the iCloud stuff but uh, I still use e-wallet mm-hmm. at <laughs> this store on a local store um, you know so I'm just old school. I'm just old. There you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on right. that happy note. <laughs> yeah, on the happy note. Uh, I'm glad John was able to join me on my second post-retirement podcast, mm-hmm. uh, 437. Maybe I should start counting down again, podcast number two. But at any rate, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, before retirement and post-retirement. But at any rate, thank you much, and we will talk to you next time.